are going to dig right back into the Word. If you were here on Wednesday night, I started talking about uh, becoming spirit conscious, uh, helping, uh, starting to pay attention to your spirit man, where the Holy Spirit lives. But uh, we're, we're going to get right back into that. But I, I think the focus more of what I, what I want to share with you today is about growing up spiritually. And it's along the same lines, but just bear with me. You know, I think sometimes it takes, I'll speak for myself, it takes me a while to catch on sometimes. I don't know about you, but, but we didn't grow up spiritually with a snap of a finger. As soon as we asked Jesus to come in, we didn't just instantly get it all and figure it all out and we're healed and strong and prosperous and delivered. No, that didn't happen, did it? No, 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 no. Why, why is that? I don't know. Do you know? If you know, you can explain it to me, uh, but uh, that's not how it works. I think uh, in, uh, in, in the book, in James chapter 1, Verse 21, pastor loves quoting that because, you know, he's a King James guy, so he loves quoting, you know, where it says the superfluity of naughtiness, like that means anything to anyone. Maybe 500 years ago, that meant something to somebody. It means nothing. But, but what, what, what that verse is talking about is getting rid of the residual of wickedness that is in your life. You know, when you got saved, there was stuff in there. Even if you got saved when you were young, there was stuff in there, roots of something that needed to get rooted out, okay? You know, the other day, uh, when I got home from work on Thursday, the trash can was sitting on the driveway empty. However, when I looked inside of it, it was not empty. I'm not even going to describe to you what was there, but let's just say I headed straight for the hose and tried to get, they took the trash, you understand. There was no, there were no trash bags left in there. The bag of grass wasn't in there. You know, the board or whatever it was I threw. You know, none of that was in there. But just trust me, there was still stuff in there. All right? And, and you know, Jesus comes and he cleans us out. We're made new. Our spirit man is a new creature. But our soul still needs some work. Our mind, our will, and our emotions they still need help. You know, I, I met a young man, wow, back in the early 80s. And he had had a massive medical crisis in his life. And uh, he had been, is there a politically correct way to say this? Uh, he had been that chunky kid in, in growing up. He was 16 or so when I met him. He had been that chunky kid in, in school all of his life. And he'd had a major medical crisis, and he lost 100, like 110 pounds. But he just looked like a normal teenager to me. He just looked like a normal kid. He was probably about yay tall. And, you know, he looked healthy and great, and I didn't think anything of it. And, and he, but I didn't know about his medical crisis. So he's telling me, he goes, no, I used to be the big kid. I'm like, no. No, you look at you, you look healthy, you know, you're strong. I mean, he could do, like, it was hilarious because he was so strong from having carried all that weight around. Like, he could, he could, uh, he could do, like, a hundred and some push-ups and sit-ups without stopping. You know, the guy could just, he was a machine. And, and I'm like, I don't believe it. So he goes, I'll show you. He lifts up his shirt. I'm like, it was just roll, roll, roll of skin that had used to be him. You understand what I'm saying? And even as a young guy, now that he'd probably bounce back and probably got skinny again, but 
it had just happened. You know, he had literally just gotten out of the hospital. I mean, it was a crazy thing. He was perfectly good. He was going to be fine. But I was so shocked. But see, that's kind of how our lives are if you're tracking with me. All right? He, you know, we, you know, maybe, you know, he can, we get saved. And, and on the outside, nobody knows that we still have emotions that are out of control. Or we are, have sickness in our body. Or we are still impoverished or we still have situations that we've created with the mess of our lives, right? And and God is at work in you. And he is at work to fix all those things. Now you understand there's there's several verses in the Bible that say as far as it depends on you. You know, I, I can't fix everybody in my family. I, I can promise you you can't do that either. I can't fix, so to speak, everybody at work. And, and, and that isn't even our job to do, is it? But God's at work in you. And, and you can accelerate that process. All right? Sometimes we're just real passive. Well, you know, I'll get to church on Sunday, and I might crack my Bible open. You know, maybe when I'm in the bathroom, I have a minute to read. You know, or whatever you decide to do. But, but, but you know what? We have a whole lot to say about the speed that we grow up spiritual. So... We're going to try to cover uh, most of the Bible today, so turn to Genesis. I'm kidding. Please do not turn to Genesis. You can turn to, you can turn to Colossians 2. That would be okay. Leanne and I uh, were just in Colorado, and, uh, and uh, they had a roller coaster on top of the mountain where you could control your speed. You were just like in a cart. I mean, nothing flew if you just let it go, but you could speed it up. And slow it down on your own. It was a lot of fun. But that is exactly how your spiritual growth is. You can speed it up and you can slow it down. All right? And we probably don't mean to slow it down, but we can do that just by the choices we make, by the priorities we set. You guys don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. I know you all know what I'm talking about. So, you know, the Holy Spirit resides inside of us. And he is our helper. And we'll, we may address more of that. But, but... He's constantly in there, not beating you up, not criticizing you, but he's always, the Bible says he's a helper. It says he's a comforter, but so many of us are so used to beating ourselves up that, that we, we don't see him that way. We think all that beating up and all that criticism is him. It's not. I'm just going to tell you. But, but you can beat yourself up all day if you want to, but I'll just tell you that's not going to help. That is, that's going to slow you down, not speed you up in your spiritual growth. Okay, so I, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to tell you I don't always get it right, but I'm going to give you an example of a time or, or something the Lord worked in me, okay? So just, it's a little bit long, but just bear with me, okay? So in 1979, and, and some of y'all weren't even, wow, most of you probably weren't even born, but that's Okay. 1979, I, like, September 1st came, and I had an aller allergy attack like I didn't know ever could happen to a human being, and I was basically, uh, I, honestly, I was almost non-functional part of that allergy season. They t I was diagnosed with a ragweed allergy, okay? So, I mean, my eyes were dragon eyes. They were bright red and dripping. And my nose was running, and I was sneezing, and it just wouldn't stop, and it was all day long. And, I mean, they gave me shots, and they gave me steroids, and they gave me everything that was available 
through prescriptions and nothing really helped much except the stuff that made me so tired I couldn't function, which took me back to non-functional again. And, and so from 1979 forward, I was in college in 1979, uh, from that time forward, every September 1st, late August, early September, it hit me and I was a wreck till the first frost when whatever happens to ragweed pollen happens to ragweed pollen and it dies or whatever it does, I don't know. So from, from so 1979, in 1985, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. In 1991, I went to Bible school and had two solid years of Bible teaching of faith and healing and, and how, to, how to grow in God, right? And in... You know, that time, so I heard God's word. That's the first point I want to say. And regarding faith and healing. And right after I finished school, right here, words floated up out of my spirit, man, into my mind and said, and now your training begins. And I was like, well, I just finished Bible school. What does that mean? Well, I found out what that meant, Okay. Now your training begins. So in the course of that summer, the Lord just started talking to me about, well, allergy season is coming. I'm like, yeah. You've never believed me to do anything about that. Well, yeah. So I determined, according to Mark 11, if, according to that, if I have faith and believe and say it, then I can receive. So I stepped out. Now, mind you, I'd been in Bible school. I'd been in good churches since 1984 what, that taught healing. I never had anybody lay hands on me. I just put up with it. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? So I put up with it. So in 1993, I believe God. I stepped out in faith. I started declaring allergy-free in 93. And, uh, and that was my easiest allergy season ever since 1979, and 1994 allergy season was even better, and 1995 allergy season, I barely noticed it, and to the point where then it's like, well, what's allergy season, okay, but, but here, we give all the glory to God, but you understand, I could have just kept putting up with that, and if I, if I hadn't learned what the word said, if I hadn't had him tell me it was time for me uh, to, to, you know, get trained. <laughs> if I hadn't been impressed, you know, do you remember both Jesus and Paul looked at people and they'd say they saw that they had faith to be healed. See, he saw that I had faith to be healed and then encouraged me to step out and I stepped out and I received that. Okay, you're tracking with me? So, so. Uh, that's a time that I succeeded in doing something that looked like growing up spiritually. Does that make sense? All right, stay with me here, okay? Um, you know, the enemy is doing everything he can to distract us from the truth and hinder us from finishing our course, the course, the plan, the will of God. He doesn't want you to do that, you understand, all right? The world's a mess. It's ugly, it's getting uglier. The things that are going on in the world, I think a lot of us are very, very insulated from that. But, but there's horrible things going on in the world. We have a guest staying with us. What did you say the youngest person was in that shelter for the, for the girls coming out of, or the children coming out of uh, sex trafficking? Nine. 
nine years old, coming out of sex trafficking. It's a ministry, where is it, down in? In the Dominican Republic. I mean, okay, we're pretty sheltered from that, right? We don't see that kind of stuff, but that's the kind of stuff that's going on in the world, you understand? I mean, I, we're not making this stuff up. If you, you know, read the paper, you know, the, or, you know, look, look, uh, watch the news or, or whatever. But, but let me just say this, that, you know, in Galatians 5, and you just say in Colossians, I'm just going to read to you, so you just hang on, so... You know, in Galatians 5, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, but it also talks about the works of the flesh. Understand that the works of the flesh have not changed. The enemy's tactics are still the same. They're not different. Now, they look bad, and, and the, Jesus said it was going to get worse, didn't he, before he came back, right? But, but if we look at what it says, it starts off with, you know, immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry. You might say, well, I'm not any of those. Uh, sorcery, yeah, I don't do that. Enmities, I don't know what that means. Um, strife, ooh, ooh, that one could be a problem. Jealousy, outbursts of anger, uh-oh. Disputes, now we're all in trouble. <laughs> Dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and these things. And I warn you, as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we don't want, to do, we don't want anything to do with any of that. Right? Even the ones we don't know what they mean. We don't want anything to do with them. It's just safe or not. You know what I'm saying? Okay, but here's the thing is that when you're saved, you're a new creature. God is at work trying to get you to a place where you're walking in victory all the time because that's what he wants for you. All right? He is the victor. He's the victorious God. He wants you right there with him. You know, when Jesus comes back, the Bible says the saints are going to come with him. He wants you with him now. Okay? Yeah, what did Jesus pray? Thy will be done when? On earth, as it is in heaven. All right, so he wants us on earth. You know, I grew up, I don't know about you, but I grew up in that church that said, well, you know, this is the veil of tears. This is the hard time. And if you just hold on till he comes back or till you die, you'll be okay. Okay, I mean, that's what we heard. And, and, and that's great except for the fact that that's not how he wants you to live. All right, he wants you to live in victory every day. And, and I'm telling you, the way you, the, the road to that is by becoming very conscious of your spirit, man. You know, we're a triune being, so to speak, right? We have a body. We have a soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, and we're a spirit. But that's how God made us, to be an eternal spirit just like he is. If, if anyone who's ever born is never going to die, they'll, all, they'll live forever. Now, they might physically die. Their body may die. You know, Paul said, you know, he, he said, I, I'm stuck between a choice. I don't know whether to stay with you or whether I should go to heaven. You know, but he wasn't saying his body was going to go to heaven. He said his spirit was going to go to heaven. His body was going to die and be buried. Paul got buried somewhere, right? But his spirit didn't die. His spirit went on to heaven. So Jesus wants us to pay attention to our spirit. I said this Wednesday night, the flesh counts for nothing. You guys know that verse, all right? The flesh counts for nothing, which means that, ooh. But he didn't say the soul counted for nothing, did he? No, but he said your soul needed to be renewed, renovated, saved. But your spirit, man, if you're born again, if you've asked Jesus to come into your life, your spirit, man, is a new creation already. It's just the rest of you is playing catch-up, all right? Your spirit, man, gets it already. So, it just makes more sense, doesn't it? Just sensible. Just as a Christ, Christ, Christian common sense, 
to pay more attention to our spirit than our mind, our will, and our emotions, okay? Because those all get us in trouble, don't they? We can, have you ever done something willful, said, oh, yeah, I, I know the right thing to do, but I'm going to do this. You don't have to, you, no, don't say amen now. That's bad timing. <laughs> Very poor timing to say amen. Don't do that. But we knew because we've all done the same thing, okay? Uh, I, I don't know about you, but I know that my emotions can go in eight directions all at once. Okay, well, yeah. Yeah, let's make, let's base our life off that, shall we? Yeah. Do we know people who do? Oh, yeah. We know lots of people who do that. So, uh, it's, you know, just think in your head, it's not me. It's those relatives of mine and those people I work with, okay? And my neighbor. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> It's, it's, it's better that way, isn't it? You know, Jesus said this in John. I am going to get to Colossians, so just hang on, okay? Jesus said in John 10, I am the good shepherd. See, he wants to show you how to get there, how to get your life under control, so to speak. Not really, but, that, but it's easy to say it that way, okay? He wants to show you how to get to that good place. Uh, and then... And then uh, in uh, backing up from verse 11 of John 10, where he said, I'm the good shepherd, he said this. Now listen to this. I love this. It says, Truly I say to you, I am the door to the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. We're the sheep. I am the door, and anyone, if anyone enters through me, he will be saved. And now listen to this. He will go in and out and find pasture. What does that mean? You know, Jesus said we go in and out and find pasture. You know, we don't get, go in and out of salvation. We go in and out of the world. And we are an ambassador to the world. And you know what? I want to grow up to the point where I'm a good ambassador. I want to be a good servant of Jesus Christ when I'm out in the world. And, you know, we go out into the world, and, and there's people who need him. There's people who need us. They, they need healing. They need deliverance. They need the truth. And you and I are the light. We, Jesus said that you are the light of the world. And he was talking to us. He came as the light, but then he passed that light on to us, didn't he? So Colossians, are you there? I bet you're there. All right. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 says this. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him, and established in your faith, just as you were instructed, and overflowing with gratitude. You can tell somebody who's walking in victory by how thankful they are. Did you know that? <laughs> Hello. Some of you are looking at me like you didn't appreciate that. I don't care. That's okay. You can, you can accept that one. You know, the more thankful, the more thanksgiving that comes pouring out of your heart, you can tell the more grown up you are spiritually. Because... Because we all have so much to be thankful for. And, and I remember days when I was a, a, a huge mess thinking, I don't have anything to be thankful for. Well, you're just not looking hard enough. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, God has done so much for all of us. And, and we, are, we are the light. You know, I think so many people are so deceived. And, and even Christians you know, they don't know what they have, and they don't even know what they need. The people in the world, they don't, they don't have any idea that they're a mess. 
a lot of people. They don't know. And, but they're out there wishing they could get a fresh start. They wish they could get out of the mess they're in. They wish they could figure out how to solve all the mess in their family. Right? And, and we have the answer. You know, I, I think lots of times, like I said, we're so insulated from what's going on in the world. But, you know, honestly, you don't know what's going on with that person in the line in the grocery store in front of you. You have no idea what's going on with them. You don't know what, you know, what a mess their life is. So, so don't, don't hesitate to be the light that you are. I think that, uh, you know, so many of us know so much more than we think we do. I, I, I you, you know, it, it's like, I can, I can remember uh, one of my Bible school instructors said they had done a, done a study and asked Bible school graduates if they thought they knew enough to share Jesus with somebody who didn't know him. And almost all of them said they didn't think they knew enough. Does that sound like the Lord to you? No. No, that's just the enemy telling you you don't know stuff, all right? Uh, you know, I, I think if, if any of us were to tell anybody what we've seen and what we've heard, it would be enough, you know? But, but we can be so hesitant and so we, we can be so standoffish about sharing Jesus. You know, uh, Thomas... Uh, you know, is famous in the Bible for, for doubting. You know the story, right? When Jesus rose from the dead and he appeared to the 10 disciples because Judas was dead already and Thomas wasn't there. So the 10 of them were, were there gathered together and Jesus appeared to them. And then they, the disciple, after Jesus left, Thomas shows up at some point. They told Thomas, yeah, we saw the Lord. And Thomas said, you know, famously, you know, unless I see his hands and the imprint of the nails and put my finger in the place of the nails and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. And Jesus came along, right, the, another time, and Thomas was there. And he said to Thomas, all right, put your hand out. Touch my hands. Here's my side. Go ahead. Put your hand in it. Thomas, like my Lord and my God. And Jesus looked at him. Now I want you to think about this. He said, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who do not see and yet have believed. All right? Well, we're those, unless you've seen Jesus. Most of us haven't. <laughs> unless you've seen Jesus, then, then you're those who are getting to be blessed because we believe even without seeing him like they did. Thomas, Thomas walked with him for three years and still said he wouldn't believe unless, no. You know, and, and, and none of the disciples realized, it's amazing because Jesus kept telling them over and over that he was going to die and rise again, but none of them understood it. They didn't, they didn't see that. They didn't believe it. See, see, they were playing catch up too. You understand? We're all there. All right? We're all having to learn. Uh, I, I love the story of <laughs> I love the story of the widow that Elijah ministered to. Um, you know, Elijah, uh, you, you can put it in your notes, First Kings 17, but we're not going to read it. But but Elijah, the Bible says, spoke and said, "It's not going to rain until, until I say so." And I mean, he had the word of the Lord. You understand that? So it didn't rain. And so the Lord said to him, now I'm going to put you at this little brook, and the ravens are going to bring you meat and bread, and there will be water there, and you'll be fine. But eventually it didn't rain, you understand, so the brook dried up. 
So the Lord said to Elijah, all right, I have, I have, I have provided you a widow in Zarephath, and she will take care of you and feed you. Notice he didn't say anything more than that. The walk of faith is where we all are. We're all walking by faith. So he didn't know who she was. He didn't, God didn't give her a name, didn't know her address, didn't know where she was, didn't know anything, just knew Zarephath. So off Elijah goes to Zarephath, a big step of faith, all right? And, and he gets to the gate, and there's a lady gathering sticks, and so he says to her, hey, can you give me something to eat? She said, well... I guess. I, I, have, I have a little oil uh, and a little flour left, and I was going to make one last bread loaf, little bread cake for my son and I. We were going to eat it and then have no more food, so we were going to die. But she said, at your word, at your word, I'll do it. Now, mind you. So, so and Elijah said to her, no, the, bread will, or the flour will never run out, and the oil will never run out. So she made it for him and then made it for her and the next day 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 and for years, right? So, so, so in the course of time, <laughs> she's so funny. This widow's cracking me up when you read this story because in the course of time, her son gets sick and he dies. And in the course of that, you know, she goes and tells the prophet, the prophet believes God, raises him from the dead, and then the lady says to him, and this is what I think is so funny. She says, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth in truth. Okay, they had been eating, you understand this, from this little thing of flour and this little thing of oil for years, every day, every day, just like he said, it never ran out. But... Finally, when he raises her son from the dead, she goes, okay, well, now I know you're a man of God. Okay. See, see we're not the only ones that are slow about getting, getting a hold of some of this stuff, so don't beat yourself up, okay? You just think of her and think, well, maybe I wouldn't be quite that slow, all right? So you pat yourself in the back, and even if you might be slower than her, all right? But, but the, point, the, point, <laughs> the point is, is that, that God is trying to connect with you. All right, but the only way he's going to connect to you is through your spirit. You guys remember, I said this Wednesday night, the woman at the well, right? Jesus came and started talking to her, which first of all shocked her because men don't usually, in that culture, men didn't speak to women. And they certainly, and the Jews didn't speak to Samaritans. So he was breaking two of the rules already, right? But he, he starts talking to her. And uh, in the course of it... Um, he, he uh, starts talking to her about, <laughs> about the water he wants to give her, the water of eternal life he wants to give her. And she's like, okay, give me some of that. And he goes, great, I will. Go get your husband, and then we'll talk. She's like, well, um, I, don't, I don't really have a husband. Jesus like, well, you're telling the truth there. You've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. And she goes, I see you're a prophet. See, she's quick, quick, pretty quick there. So, so she immediately starts talking about, now, you guys say the temple's the place, and we say this mountain's the place, and, and you know, she's trying to engage him in this 
cons, this, this has been going on for hundreds of years in Israel, you understand? She wants to engage him in all this discussion about where they should worship God and is, are you guys right, are we right? You know, it's like two people talking about sports teams, you know. But, but um, Jesus stops her because she wanted to make it about whatever, a place. And Jesus said, the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit. You hear that in the mic? Hear that? And truth. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You see any mention of mind, will, emotions there? No. Do you see any mention of your body there? No, nothing. So, so, so if we're not spirit conscious, we're not spiritually aware, we're not worshiping, okay? Bad news for some of us, but it isn't really bad news. You are a spirit. So, so your consciousness outside of your mind, your will, and emotions, your consciousness is spirit. I don't know if that makes sense, but just track with me. And, and here's what Jesus did. Since we are spirits and God's spirits, here's what Jesus said. He said at the end of his ministry, he said to the disciples and to all of us, he said, I will ask the Father, John 14, verse 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. That word helper means one called alongside to help in the Greek. That's really good news. Uh, Counselor, comforter, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby. I will ask the Father, he will give you another helper, that he may be with you, y'all know, forever. Yeah, some of you guys do. You see that? Not, not till you die. He's going to be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you. Now, understand the disciples didn't have him in them yet. He said he's with you. And they knew it because they'd been out ministering. They'd been out raising, this, you know, raising the dead and casting out demons. And they'd been doing this work that Jesus sent them to do. And, and so they knew. They knew this moving of the Spirit. They saw the anointing on him. They saw what, what Jesus was doing. He said, in that day you will know that I am in the Father. Wait, I skipped ahead. But you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. Now, if you're, again, if you've asked Jesus into your life, he is now in you. I don't feel anything. I don't see that. Well, okay, that's okay. Maybe you don't feel anything. But you know what? As you become more spirit aware, you will feel something. You will, and I'm not talking about feelings like your fingers. You'll just know things, okay? He, he is at work in you and, and you're going to know things. I'm going to skip ahead because the clock is going faster than me. Um, Romans 8, uh, you could turn there. Pastor loves this. He spends so much time in Romans 8. I almost hated to go there because he goes there often. Pastor's ministering out in California this morning, so if you guys pray for him, he would appreciate that. All right. Romans 8, verse 5 says this, For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, and those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Well, I don't feel anything in my spirit, so I must have my mind on my flesh. No, no, it doesn't say that. In, in fact, in a couple of verses, it, it says quite the opposite. 
It says in verse, we'll skip down to verse 9, it says, However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So back up, back up to verse, uh, verse 6. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. That verse is a little confusing to me because, because we're a spirit, not a mind. And it keeps saying mind. And you're like, okay, I'm so confused. I don't know the, what is the mind and what is the spirit and what exactly does that verse mean. So I, I went hunting for different translations of that verse. But here's what I'm going to say to you. To focus on the mind, mind, will, and emotions is death. But to be spirit-focused is life and peace. That's, that's clear, isn't it? Yeah, no, he wants you to be spirit-focused. He wants you very, very 100% focused on your spirit. Now, you've got to deal with your body. Hello. You know, Paul said, bodily exercise profiteth a little. You can't tell that to a real young guy, you know, because, you know, they're all about, you know, a lot of young guys, that's all they want to do is spend time in the weight room. But, 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 but he said godliness is profitable both in this life and in the life to come. So somehow godliness on this side of death or this side of Jesus' return is profitable for the next life. I don't know how that is. He didn't explain it. It just says it is. And I believe that because he said it, so it must be true. But, but maybe your faith isn't there, but my faith is definitely there. He said it was going to be profitable, so I believe that. But, but the point is, is that let's get there. Let's get to that place where we're being godly. What does that mean? It means to be spirit-focused. means to be in tune with the Spirit of God who lives on the inside of us. So we're going to talk about some ways to arrive there. How do we get there? And my notes are in piles here, and I'm not at all sure where I'm supposed to be, but that's okay. We'll figure all that out. Anyway, lots of ways that, that we can get spirit-conscious since we are spirit-to-spirit. God himself is a spirit, and he himself witnesses to us, right? Uh, Romans 8, 16. Now think about this verse for a half a second, okay? We hear it all the time. The spirit himself witnesses with our spirit that we are children of God. Notice it doesn't say anything about him witnessing that you are spirit to your mind or your body. He isn't talking to your body. He's not talking to your mind either. He's talking to your spirit, man. So if you're not paying attention to your spirit, you know, do you hear people say this? Well, God just tells me he loves me all the time. I'm like, really? Okay. But see, that's not in your mind. That's down here, a knowing, down in here. Now, is he speaking words? Well, he might. He might not. Probably won't most of the time. But an impression that he loves you because he's there. And he does love you. And so it's not like you're reading it wrong. You're totally reading it right. Does that make sense? The spirit witnesses to our spirit that we are children of God, that we are loved, that we are healed, that we are to talk to that person, that we are to love on that one, that we are to flow in this gift or that gift. It's not happening here. See, this is where we all get in trouble. Um, Kenneth Hagen, in, in his book, Book. We, we only have one of them in the bookstores, so if you all want to fight for it, like Walmart on uh, Black Friday, 
you can do that, but I wouldn't recommend it. Karen, is that okay with you? No, Karen's not okay with you guys fighting over a book, and but you can order it, okay? But but it, it's just a little mini book. I went to hell, but on a particular, he was dying. Uh, he had an he was born with an incurable heart condition and an incurable blood disease. And by the time he was 16, he was com- almost completely paralyzed. He said he could read his Bible, but it would take him almost an hour to change the page because he was so close to completely paralyzed and dying. And on one particular day, he wasn't saved, you understand? And one particular day, you know, he it's a long story, but he died four times. His heart stopped four times. And then he was revived four times. And, uh, but he said, he said, yeah, he goes, it's the weirdest feeling, but it's so simple too. When you die, your body just slips out of your spirit, slips out of your body, like your foot slips out of a sock. He said, it's just, and when he came back into his body, when he was revived, he said, it just comes in just the same way it went out back in and slips out like your foot slips out of a sock. All right, because we're a spirit, we're an eternal spirit. Bible doesn't say your bodies. You know, Paul said, you know, I long to be with him, I. And then he starts talking about his body, but his body's not him. You understand that? Say, tell your neighbor, I am a spirit. I have a body. There we go. See, see, you got to understand these things if you're going to really understand. Numbers, number one. I talked about this on Wednesday a little bit. But the word of God is the number one way that you're going to get to know him, that your spirit's going to grow up, that you're going to to make spiritual progress by spending time in the word of God. And I'm convinced that it's going to take all of eternity for us to really grasp the truth of who of the goodness and the mercy and the love of God. Um, the, The light in light of the fact that God is love. We need to treat his word like it's a love letter, okay? Some of you have struggled with getting into the word and feeling criticized by it or being feeling like, like God's mad at you because of something you read in there, okay? The, he, he, he doesn't want you to read the word and feel like he's mad at you, okay? All right, that's you. That's your mind, your will, and your emotions being messed up, okay? I'm not saying you need you know, a doctor. I'm just saying you need to learn who he is, okay? Because he's not mad at you. The Bible says he's not counting your sins against you, but you're counting your sins against you, so you're struggling, okay? But if you can look at the word like it really is, a love letter to you, and yeah, he, okay, I asked the Lord one time, I I said, why did you say that? Something that looked harsh in the word to me. You know what he said to me? He said, well, because I can't not be truthful. So if there's something that has to be said, he'll say it, and it's in there, but that doesn't mean it applies to you. Do you understand that? You're one of his kids. You're one of the heirs, a co-heirs with Christ Jesus. Do you understand what that means? That means, you know, if, if uh, you know, we, we just have the one son, Jake, 
so he doesn't have to share his inheritance, assuming we have an inheritance, assuming Jesus doesn't come back, you know, assuming we die before Jesus, all that. You know, there's a lot of assumptions involved here. But, but he, doesn't have to, he doesn't have to fight anybody for the, for the inheritance. You understand that? Now, if we had two kids, then, then, then they'd be co-heirs. You understand? And then they, you know, would the inheritance be split 50-50? Well, maybe, possibly, probably. It depends on the situation, okay? But, but... You know, the point is, is that the Bible says that we are co-heirs with Jesus Christ, meaning that, that what he gets, we get just part of that, okay? But I don't know that there's even a part thing with God. You know, he he's, he's, uh, he's wants you to receive from Jesus. And so he's not mad at you. So when we get into the word, he's not mad. And, and the Bible says, we hear this all the time, but the Bible says that the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So, so don't, don't, don't go looking for things that confuse you or, or you don't understand or things that seem hard because, yeah, he's going to be, it's hard for the sinner. They have a hard life. And, and people who reject God and don't want anything to do with God, they have a rough road. And their future is bleak, okay? But he's not talking to you about that, all right? That, that, not, that doesn't even apply to you. So, so he wants you to, to, uh, to get a hold of the truth of who you are in Christ Jesus. He wants you to be like a treasure hunter, hunting for promises that apply to you. Because it says all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So if we approach the Bible like it is, like a treasure, and we go treasure hunting, and wow, look at that verse, and look at that truth, and look at how much God loves me, and look at what he wants to do for me, then, then you're going to be looking at it the way he wanted you to look at it in the first place. All right? So spend time in the Word. You know, there, there's some things in the Bible I don't understand, and I just tr choose to trust God, okay? And, and sometimes I'll say to him, I do this, I'll, I'll take a pencil, and I'll put a question mark out in the margin, because I don't understand what that means, all right? And I'll say, Lord, can you show me what that means? And he has, over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and then, then I go back and erase the question mark, see? See, you could do that. Don't pen it in there. Don't magic marker it in there. You can't erase that, okay? Put it in with pencil. So when he shows you what it means, then you can move on, all right? All right. Number two, prayer, talking with God. You're talking with God, uh, you know, prayer, just the word prayer, it, it creates all sorts of guilt and shame in a church because, because most, uh, I, I, I bet most everybody in this room has had the enemy tell you you don't pray enough. Or if it wasn't the enemy you told you, you weren't praying enough. Uh, I bet zero of you have had God tell you you weren't praying enough. But, but we, won't, we won't, won't go into that one. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. That's not really the point. Point is, is prayer is just talking to God. Your spirit man, talking to him as a spirit, and you're conversing with him. That's what prayer is. And, and as, uh, you know, Pastor Tony, I think I said this Wednesday night, he says that almost every answer he's ever gotten from God happened while he was praying or praying in tongues. You heard him say that? Yeah, he says that. I will tell you that virtually zero times that I've gotten my answer from God, I was praying. You know, it didn't happen in the middle of me praying. He, he usually with me, he gives me answers when I'm not thinking about him because he knows that I'll go, was that me or was that him? I don't know if that was me or him. 
okay? So one of, one of the pieces that, 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 uh, that I didn't that I didn't share when I was telling the story about my allergies was that after I graduated um, from Bible school, the Lord, uh, actually right before I graduated, he spoke to me and he said, I want you to stay, I want you to stay in Oklahoma for the summer because I was, I was out of there. I was, I was going to leave. But, but, but he said that to me, uh, those words just came up into my consciousness out of my spirit, and he said that to me when I was doing something very, very spiritual. I was had just vacuumed my apartment, and I was putting the vacuum cleaner back into the closet, and I wasn't thinking about God. I wasn't thinking about my future. I wasn't thinking about what am I going to do with my life when I graduate from Bible school. I wasn't thinking about anything. I was thinking about making sure the vacuum cleaner got put away. But but see, that's just how he deals with me. And and but but I will say this. Prayer has accomplished more in me than anything else spiritually that I think I've done, okay? Just talking, praying in tongues. The Bible says you're praying mysteries. Well, mysteries about what? Well, they're mysteries, so we don't know what they're mysteries of. But they're about you, about people around you, about the world, about, I don't know. But you're praying, okay? So pray, all right? When you pray... In a known tongue, when you're just talking to him, you can pray about anything you want to. He, he has big shoulders. He can handle you talking to him about anything, all right? If you're frustrated and you're mad and, and you're having a hard time, if you're thankful, if you're joyful, he is excited to just spend time with you. Um, Ephesians 6, 18 says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. Well, I realize that we, we can't literally pray every second of every day. I don't know anyone who does that. But here's what I would say to you. I rarely pray for a very long period of time at once. But I rarely go very long at all without talking to him. I talk to God all the time. I talk to him in the car. I talk to him when I'm laying down. Uh, sometimes I just lay down and just pray in tongues. Sometimes I just talk to him. Sometimes every, you know, I see the situation or I see a person or I see a car accident. Lord, help those people, you know. I, I, I pray, but I don't ever let a lot of time happen without me talking to him, Okay. I think um, we, we will keep going here for time's sake because, wow. All right. Um, I, I talked to you uh, about, um, about how the gifts of the Spirit are also things that come out of your spirit man. Um, you understand what a board game is, right? This would not be a great deal of fun to play alone. You understand that? You do realize that, right? I know people who play chess alone. Do you, do you, do you side with one of the black and the, over the white, or you do them equal? I don't know. That's just weird, okay? Don't do that. That's weird. But, but a board game isn't made to play alone, and, and, and the gifts of the Spirit are, do you understand, the Holy Spirit's not just going to go do these things. And it's also not just you going and doing these things. It's the two of you working together to make something wonderful happen for God. 
okay? And, and, and as you become spiritually aware here, then, then you'll know what exactly it is he wants you to do. You know, there's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm not having you turn to stuff because I'm skipping around a lot. So just you can turn there if you want, or they can put it up on the screen if they want. 1 Corinthians verse 12, or chapter 12, verse 4 says, There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all people. Well, I don't have any idea what he wants to do through me. Well, then get spirit conscious. Get to know him and find out what he's showing you, okay? I mean, the first time I had a spiritual dream, I didn't, I didn't know it was a spiritual dream. I dreamed that somebody in my church was in trouble and doing X, Y, Z, and uh, I found out in a very, very, very short period of time that, that somebody in my church was in trouble and doing X, Y, Z. But I, I didn't know it was from God until it happened. Well, why did he show me that? So I could pray, so I could be a, a person behind the scenes on their side, helping them out. Was it supernatural? Very supernatural that he did that. Did it feel supernatural? Not at all. I just thought I had a dream. Okay, does that make sense? But see, see, as you become spirit conscious, he's got all sorts of ways he can show you stuff through the word, through prayer, but also through the gifts of the spirit. We'll keep reading. To each one, he has given the manifestation of the spirit. To each one, should I keep saying that? Look at your neighbor and say, each one. Look at your other neighbor and say, that means you. He is given the manifestation of the spirit, the spirit. For the common good, for to one is given the word of wisdom, we won't go into what all these mean, to another the word of knowledge, but you're going to have information about the future or a situation currently going on that you couldn't have gotten any other way but by the Holy Spirit, to another faith, supernatural faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings, plural, it says healing, singular, but it isn't correct, gifts of healings by one Spirit. And, and what that means is that uh, I know in the days of healing, Brother Hagen, Oral Roberts, all the guys were talking one day, and one of them said, you know, every deaf person I lay hands on gets, gets healed. And the others were like, yeah, no deaf people ever get healed in my services. And one of them goes, yeah, but, but, but anybody with a tumor, when I lay, you know, another guy, when I lay hands on somebody with a tumor, the tumors just dry up and disappear. And, they, and the others were like, yeah, that doesn't happen so much with me. See, now see, gifts of healings, okay? It's plural gifts and different kinds of healings. Now, you may see one person with a gift like that and many, many things happen. But <clears throat> my cousin Judy, uh, her, her son, uh, her dear precious baby son or toddler son, four years old, died. And, and she didn't know. She didn't know how to receive healing. But in the course of time, she found out God was a healer. And, and so she had a little store, uh, a, a little restaurant, and uh, anybody would come in there, she'd be like, uh, so, I, I see you're not feeling good. Could I pray for you? <laughs> she saw all sorts of people get healed, all right? But, but, you know, she found out that God was a healer. Did she have a gift of healings? I don't know. But... But you know what? The Bible says that anybody can lay hands on anybody and believe God for him. So, you know, we don't, you know, don't. Do you ever just, well, I don't want to look stupid. I don't know. What if God doesn't heal him? 
Are you the healer? Really? Is that one really on you? No, 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 that one's not on you. So, you know, it can't hurt anything. I can pray for you if you're sick, and whether you get healed or don't get healed, not my deal. But I can do the part of praying, you know, and, and we all look stupid, you know, so what difference does that make? Well, at least I do. Anyway, anyway, to another, effecting of miracles, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, and a few verses later, uh, he talks about helps, administrations. Wait a minute, help, 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 help? How, how is that spiritual? You know, I'm vacuuming. How is that spiritual? Hmm. You know what? It is spiritual. I'm just going to tell you. He said so. You know, him... Working with you, you know, you feel prompted. Maybe I should be part of the cleaning team, or maybe I should be part of the coffee team, or maybe I should do this. You know, see, he's just trying to get you somewhere, okay? Instead of, uh, uh, have you ever been a parked car? I have. I have been a parked car. You, you, you don't accomplish anything. Do you understand that? But he'll prompt you. He, he's working with you. Do this, do that, be a part of this. All right, he's working with you. It's the board game thing. All right, you're not, on there, you're not out there on your own, okay? Are you saying that the Holy Spirit's going to be with me when I'm vacuuming the church? Yes. Yes, that is exactly what I'm saying. Try it out if that's what he leads you to do. Try it out and see that he isn't there with you. He'll give you ideas about how to do stuff. He'll talk to you while you're doing it. Do you understand that? You know, I, I, I went to Mexico on a mission trip, and God did all sorts of things in my life. And I was like, why don't you do that when I'm sitting at home? He didn't answer that question. But, 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 but now I want you to think about this. We know the answer because we're doing something. Because we're out there stretching out a bit. We're out there reaching out a little bit. You know, he, he, if you're not doing anything, he didn't have any reason to give you strength and help to do it. Do you understand that? All right, if you're just sitting there, he's not going to give you strength beyond your strength to accomplish anything. If you're not talking to somebody, he's not going to give you words to say to them that would be an encouragement and a blessing. You know, I've, I've had this happen so many times. Somebody will call me, and, and they'll be like, yeah, I'm going through this and this and this and this. And what happens? The verses just start pouring into me. It's like, well, let's look at this, and then you, uh, then the next one, and then the next one, and the next one, and you feel like you're preaching at him. Well, you might be. You know what? Maybe he called you to preach at him. That's okay. But, but does that happen every time I talk to somebody? No. But sometimes it does. First time that I went and talked to him, I, I was, I was so wet behind the ears as a Christian. Now I'd been saved, but I hadn't done anything. And, and I go to talk. I get to a spirit-filled church, and I went and talked to the pastor, and, and, and uh, I had 10 questions written down, and he, I asked him the very, you've heard, some of you have heard me say this, I asked him the very first one, and he answered all 10 without me asking any of the others. And the second time I went to him, I asked the first question, and he answered all 10 without me asking any of the other questions. Now, see, that's somebody who's right here, Flowing with the Holy Ghost. But see, you can do that in any way, talking to people, vacuuming, shoveling snow. Now, I'm just telling you, you're out there shoveling snow, he's going to start talking to you. See, he, he just... Hmm. I, I was uh, talking to somebody recently, 
And, and, and this guy was a tough guy, you know, guy, right? One of those guys, you know, muscly. One of those people that, you know, you think, this guy isn't afraid of anything. They could do anything. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? So, so something came up about skydiving, and, and the guy was like, oh, no. He goes, I'll go skydiving, but only with an instructor strapped to me. I ain't going out there by myself, all right? And I laugh, but you know what? That's how our attitude should be spiritually. Do you remember back in, I think, is it Exodus? Moses said to the Lord. The Lord was saying, okay, you know, you guys just go. Moses is like, we're not going anywhere without you. You know what? That should be our attitude every day about the Lord. I'm not going anywhere without you. I'm going to take a couple more minutes, you guys, but, but not long, okay? We're winding down here. Um, Exodus 33:15 was that verse. Moses said to the Lord, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us from here. All right? Isn't that good? I love that. That is a great attitude for life. You know, the Holy Spirit impresses us with things, okay? Uh, that's called the inward witness. We're not going to spend any time on that. I talked about that Wednesday night. But he'll impress things on you about how to do things, what to do. You know, we know Romans 8, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Isn't that right? But, but the Spirit, it says, verse 16 of that chapter says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That's not the only thing he bears witness with you about, though. He might talk to you about, don't, don't get in your car yet. Wait a minute. Wait a little while. He might talk to you about doing something for somebody. My wife was in a line at a Dollar Tree one day and, and just felt like she should pay for the person in front of her. And then found out she was a teacher and she was having to buy all these supplies without the, the help of the school and all this stuff. But just an impression. Well, you think that person forgot about that? You think that person walked out of there and, and didn't remember that a Christian helped her out that day? No. You know, you plant a seed. Okay? But, but the, the impressions that he gives you, are that takes some time to learn to trust that. Okay? Take some time. Sometimes you miss it. Sometimes you have an impression, and then you find out, you know, I feel impressed that I should eat that package of Oreos. And yeah, <laughs> that probably isn't the Lord, okay? But it takes, it takes some practice to figure out what is and what is not God, okay? I'll just tell you that. Now, when God starts talking to you in words, um, that, you know, he said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. He can talk to you in words. They kind of just float up out of you sometimes, though. It's not the Holy Spirit talking. It's just your, your spirit man talking. You know, he'll, I, I don't know how to explain it, um, you know, but it's like when I said to you a minute ago, I want you to stay in Tulsa for the summer or stay in Oklahoma for the summer. It just kind of floated up inside of me in words. I heard it. I was like, okay, I can do that. Now, I didn't know he was, if he had told me, I'll tell you this. If he had told me that he was going to have me stay there 18 years, which is what he did do, uh, I would have, like, rebuked Satan and packed my bags. <laughs> but, see, he's smarter than we are. He knew I could handle the summer. He knew that I could, see, and he, see, the, the Bible says that our walk with him is faith to faith, okay? It isn't faith to, okay, I'm going to lay out the plan for your entire life and tell you everything you're going to ever do, and you just walk that out. 
Okay, I can promise you, he has never done that for anybody ever, and he's not going to, because that's not how he works. That's not how he operates in us. He operates in us faith to faith to faith to faith to faith to faith to faith. He's going to give you one piece at a time, and he may do just like he did to Elijah. There's a, there's a widow in Zarephath. Yeah, it's a big town. Probably lots of widows. How in the world am I going to, I'm sure he was thinking all the way there, how in the world am I going to find the right widow? I, I promise you he was thinking that because God didn't tell him. God, he did this to me. I make it sound like I'm being punished. I wasn't being punished. Don't misunderstand me. He, he just said, I want you to go to Bible school. Well, I, I don't know how many Bible schools there are in the United States, but I'm sure it is hundreds and possibly thousands. I don't know. I, I mean, what do you do with that? Well, I started looking at Bible schools, right? No peace, no peace, no peace, no peace, peace. Don't want to go there. I'm going to keep looking. Peace, no peace, no peace, no peace, no peace, no peace. Finally went to the one he gave me peace about, okay? But, but I argued with him for a full year about it, so I, I'm embarrassed to say that. But, but I'm telling you, some of this takes some time to figure out. See, see it's, a, it's a work. It's a training. You're training your spirit to be sensitive to him. It doesn't just happen like that, okay? At least you're saved, so now you know everything you're supposed to do. Just go do it. Did it work like that for you? No, and not for any of the rest of us. All right, I'm no, I don't mean to pick on Elise. She just loves it when we mention her name in church. And yeah, no, no, she's kind of the opposite of that. So it's okay. So it's okay if I embarrass her a little bit. Um, um, there are so many other ways that he may help you to become spiritually sensitive, okay? Um, mm. Um, he, he, you know, he may, he, he may, you know, just confirm things for you. He may, um, he may give you a dream. I think most, most of the people that you hear them talking about their spiritual dreams, uh, yeah, are flakier than a croissant. Anyway, um, 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 you know, well, in my dream of Red bird flew over a tower, and you're like, okay. Can I just tell you, the kind of dreams like Pharaoh had, you know, of the seven cows that ate the seven cows, okay, those kind of symbolic dreams he's not going to usually do. In my experience, I probably had eight spiritual dreams in my life. None of them were symbolic. They were just, I saw people doing things or saying things, and, and then it happened, okay? So, so and, and some of the time, it was just... To, so I would know he was with me. Some of the time, it was just so I wouldn't be in fear. Or one time, it was so somebody else wouldn't be in fear. I had to tell them what I dreamed so they could calm down and know that it was all going to be okay. And it happened just the way the Lord showed me. But, but most of my dreams, you know, 99.9999999% of my dreams are not spiritual. So don't, don't get weird, okay? All right? Don't get weird. Look at your neighbor say, don't get weird. I mean, God may even do things like, you know, Cornelius. You guys know in, y'all, y'all, yeah, never mind. All right, Cornelius in Acts 10, you know, he was the first Gentile, you know, saved, you know, and, and you remember the Bible says, you know, that he, you know, supported the church and, and helped and gave to the poor and did all these things, and it came up as a, you know, something, that, a remembrance before God, and so God it, the Bible says, oh, yeah, here, 
make him know that he was on the right track. It, it says that he sent him an angel in a vision to tell him to send for Peter in another town and have him come back. And Peter, in the meantime, right, is, ha is up on a roof, and he, the Bible says he fell into a trance. That's a vision, but you're unconscious during the vision. Sometimes, have you ever, ever seen this happen, where they're unconscious in a vision, and if you try to pick them up, you, they, it's like they weigh 10,000 pounds. You can't move them even. It's a sign and a wonder that God does. He says he would do signs and wonders. But Peter fell into a trance, and he saw a symbolic vision of, of sheet coming down, kill and eat, of things that they weren't allowed to eat, and he didn't understand and then it says the Holy Spirit spoke to him. See, all these ways help us to become more spirit conscious. Do you understand that? It says the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, you know, get up. There's a guy here at the door. I want you to go with him because I've sent him. And go with him and, and do whatever he asks. Okay? So, so then Cornelius' guys are there. And then, you know. But see, do you see how that all works? See, it's the leading of the Lord. It's him helping us all become more spirit conscious. He's teaching Peter that the Gentiles aren't lost. He's teaching Cornelius that he needed to reach out to the Jews and to trust the vision of the angel. You know, do you understand what I'm saying? See, all these things he's going to do in you if you'll just aim to be more spiritual, more spirit conscious. Is he going to do all those things for all of us? No. No, the Bible says that some people will prophesy, some people will dream dreams, some people are going to have this experience, some people are going to have that experience, but that isn't the point. The point is, is that we stick with the word, we learn to trust him and his presence here, and then we just walk that out. Amen.